You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to reveal our power rankings. Visit with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio, Tori Petri from DetroitLions.com, and pass along the fantasy fix. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, as always, we appreciate your time. So it is time for our weekly Ezekiel Elliott legal update. Can you take us through what's coming up tomorrow and the important implications? Tomorrow, 2 p.m. at the Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York. Zeke Elliott will be there, by the way, along with his legal team. It's going to be oral arguments as they try to push for an injunction. What that means is what they're trying to do is get him to stay on the field while his court, while his case plays out in court, and this really has been the thing he's been battling for all along. So there's a couple different options here. First of all, uh, if they don't have a ruling by Sunday, uh, a league spokesman tells me that he is eligible to play. Uh, So that is one of them. He's going to play Sunday if there is no ruling. So that's one thing. The other thing is if he wins, then he basically is allowed to play throughout the balance of the season, and this legal back and forth will probably be over. If he loses – then they have to see what other legal remedies are possibly available for them. But that would be a significant blow uh, toward his team's fight to simply stay on the field this year. Ian, uh, it has to be mind-boggling, let's just say for Alfred Morris, uh, Darren McFadden, and not saying it in a selfish way, but to know you're going to be st- the starter that week, you have to get your mind right. And this going back right. and forth with the league and – you know, trying to figure out when does he get suspended. And, of course, his team is arguing that there's no there, there, there to to cause him to be suspended for six games. The information you've gotten out of Dallas, how mind-boggling is it for this team to have to see their star and their player go through this to the point where it's causing the team to go in and out and in and out with how to handle the situation? Uh, well, um, I think uh, – oh, wow. Uh, I, I think it's, it's really one thing, um, you know, where you could say, all right, uh, you know, this is, um, you know, this is an injury situation and they're used to kind of going back and forth and, and all of that. Um, you know, on the other hand, it is a legal situation and it really does, um, it, it really does, um, you know, kind of try a team's patience and, and really, um, make it hard for them to prepare. I mean, I mean, I think for, for Zeke Elliott, um, you know, he's going to practice. Remember last week he didn't play two, he didn't practice twice and then practice Friday this week to be flying up to New York in, in the middle of practice. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's obviously difficult for, for anyone to handle. Ian, I pride myself on being a careful listener. When I heard you say, Oh, wow. Are you multitasking? Is there breaking news you could share? <laughs> uh, yeah, there are there are some things um uh, uh there are some things I'm I'm trying to to figure out um you know what I was just told was that Martellus Bennett has been has been released wow um, which obviously is big news um so yeah that's uh 
that's something kind of interesting. And, you know, I'd be curious to see if he's, if he's cut with a failed physical designation or not. All right, let me follow up because we chatted about this on NFL First and Goal two Sundays ago with the Instagram posting from Bennett indicating the strong likelihood this was going to be his last year. Let's connect the dots. What do you think happened in Green Bay? Well, uh, I know there had been a shoulder issue he was he was frustrated with, um, hadn't practiced, was not going to play, and and certainly there was a uh, – um, you know, certainly, certainly there there was some frustration there from all sides that he really never was um, what the team wanted him to become. And, and obviously now his tenure is over, never amounted to much. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that is that. Wow. I mean, I thought I thought my question was so potent. I thought it shook you up a little bit, Ian. <laughs> you, have, you said, oh, wow, in the background. I said, whoa, I must have hit a nerve right there. Uh, but when you look at speaking of injuries um, throughout the National Football League, I want to go to to Indianapolis. Um, when you hear Tony Dungy mention something about Jim Irsay, uh, saying that his quarterback, the guy he just gave uh, eighty seven million bucks to guaranteed money, uh, allegedly say something to the extent of it's between his ears if he can actually get out on the football field. Uh, give me your take on what that may have done to the relationship between Jim Irsay and Andrew Luck? Well, you know, I'm not sure it really does much, nor, um, you know, nor to me is it as important as is Andrew Luck going to be healthy? Because, you know, reality is from his contract standpoint, he really can't go anywhere. I mean, it would be so difficult to move him. Um, it'd be so difficult to move him or even if they want to. I mean, that's the thing. You spend so long trying to get a franchise quarterback. I just can't imagine he's going anywhere. And what's Luck going to do, say, I'm not playing? I, I just don't see it. To me, it's all about when is his shoulder going to be healthy? Um, and, you know, when when is he able to get out there? Because obviously everyone wants everyone wants him to get out there. Um, it's just he hasn't been healthy. And, you know, playing through the injury for two years uh, obviously damaged other parts of his shoulder. And, and that's kind of why he's been put on the shelf and on injured reserve. Ian, I'm sure you want to jump on NFL Network with your breaking Martellus Bennett news, so we'll let you go, and we'll chat with you on Sunday Thank on NFL you. First and Goal. Appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Is a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on the reigning world champs from New England with Andy Hart of Patriots.com Radio. Andy, before we talk X's and O's, I want to start with Q&A. Let's all enjoy this exchange between a reporter and Bill Belichick. Is the goal now for you to retire with Tom Brady still serving as your, back, as your starting quarterback? Yeah, goal right now is to beat Denver. Uh, forget about that one. Uh, last night I saw an unbelievable um, trailer for a, a documentary. I'm just wondering, who do you think over the years has been better at putting the media in its place, you or Bill Parcell? Yeah. Denver's. Denver's a target this week. 
know you got a lot of stuff on your mind, but right now I'm just focused on Denver. Sorry, we can't connect on that. Vintage Bill Belichick trying to connect one-on-one, unable to get it done. Andy, we've all been in those situations, and you're part of the family with your work for Patriots.com Radio, but do you have a Bill Belichick story you can share with us? Uh, I have a lot of them. Uh, (laughs) We have time, my friend. Let's see. Well, one of my favorites is a few years. It's probably four years ago now. He he works out. it, It seems like he works out while the media is in the locker room for open locker room period. And he came through absolutely drenched in sweat. And as he walked by, I just sort of threw out a remark, said, what are you trying to, trying to make weight, weight for the big fight? And he took about one more step, froze, pivoted. Uh, and then apparently I had reminded him that he wanted to yell at me about something that I had written that he didn't <laughs> care for. Uh, and he proceeded to spend the next five minutes sort of undressing me in the open locker room period. And, I learned a lesson that day. If he doesn't speak to you, you don't engage him. Just let him walk by. Wow. I I tell you what, have you ever been in one of those moments uh, when he asked you or made a statement towards you? You know, I know you have all this stuff on your mind. I mean, how comical is that? Or is is that a comedic moment where you you actually are chuckling inside, but at the same time, you also feel kind of embarrassed because he's truly exposing the question you just asked him? Oh, yeah. No, he um, everybody has had one of those moments where they have set him off, used the wrong word, asked the wrong question at the wrong time. um, And he just gives you the death stare. And, you know, everybody else is staring at you. And it's that awkward moment. Um, But I do think since everybody's been there, um, at least anybody that's covered the team for an extended period of time, we all sort of uh, bond with that knowledge. I will say um, just sort of for full background, the guy, the guy who asked those questions sort of has a reputation of, trying to get Bill off his spot. He asks what he thinks are sort of funny, quirky questions to try to try to change the way the press conference is going. Um, so this has happened a number of times over the years. It's certainly not a first. And I, I think Bill gets a little annoyed with him. He's a, he's a TV guy from the Providence area. That, uh, that's sort of his shtick is to try to be funny and get Bill off his spot. It's Radio Gold, though, Andy. We eat it up, and it hands me a show every week because I'm just that intellectually lazy. We're talking New England football with Andy Hart, Patriots.com radio, and the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Okay, let's make the move to what's coming up on Sunday. We know what Vaughn Miller and the Broncos did to Tom Brady a few years ago in Denver in the AFC championship game. Roster slightly different now, but what's the state of the offensive line for the Patriots heading into this matchup? Well, it looks like uh, Adrian Waddle is going to have to start at right tackle. He played the second half of the uh, Chargers game heading into the bye and actually did a decent job. Um, he's started a few games for the team over the last couple of years, both tackle spots filled in, and has, has been competitive. Marcus Cannon has an ankle injury, hasn't practiced, doesn't look like he's going to be ready to go, but that's certainly a challenge. You know, you reference that AFC title game where communication and the snap count was an issue, the noise was an issue. Um, at times, it seems that the, the Broncos' pass rush was getting off faster than the Patriots' offensive linemen who actually knew the snap count. Um, and that's going to be an issue for Waddle and the rest of that group. Uh, Von Miller always seems to have at least one hellacious hit on Tom Brady where New England fans are, are left sort of holding their breath, seeing if Tom gets up. Um, so it's a major challenge this week. But as I said, you know, the Patriots um, sort of met that challenge with Waddle in the lineup before the bye when they faced Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. So, you know, maybe they're prepared for it. But I do. I think Denver's a different beast with that crowd and that altitude. And then you mix in how good that front and Vaughn Miller are. Um, it's a big challenge for not just Waddle, but that whole front that's 
given up too many sacks all year long. Andy, along with all the other things you just mentioned, uh, this one thing kind of sticks out to me a little bit because it's all about the offense. But five of the last six games, this team has won by eight or fewer points. How big of an issue can that be as you move forward? Uh, let's just say if the offense sputters just a little bit to where you know you know the defense struggles. They've been playing pretty good lately, uh, but not well enough to be comfortable like you may have been in the past. Yeah, there's no question. You know, heading into the bye, the month before the bye, the the defense was trending in a in a positive direction. The points allowed were way down compared to the first four weeks, and the offense was way down. Um, now, some of that I think was circumstantial. Um, certainly, the Atlanta game they. Patriots dominated that game and I think sort of shut it down, ran the football, and didn't want to score a ton of points, didn't need to score a ton of points. But, you know, they've run the ball more um, at times, and I think naturally that slows the game down, holds the scoring down. But it's a concern. And, you know, maybe not for this week because obviously Brock Osweiler and the Broncos, you know, they have their issues scoring points, moving the ball, and and being good on offense. Um, But moving forward, yeah, you're going to need to score some points. You're going to need to lean on. Tom Brady and, you know, what is still statistically the number one offense, number one passing attack, even though the points scored, they're now, I think, seventh, um, you know, down from where they were earlier in the year where it looked like they were going to be another, you know, we always call it a roll out of bed and score 30 offense. More often than not, that's what Brady has led in recent years where you almost assume they're going to get to 30 each and every week. And as a defense, you almost feel like, well, if if we hold them to 24, even, you know, we got a great chance to win that game of late. It hasn't been that. Luckily, the defense has been better than that. But um, this defense still has to prove both against the run and the pass that they, they're better than some of their numbers show and that you know, they can consistently hold teams down um, you know, below 20 points because that, that's what it's taken recently. So, yeah, those two trends, um, it's great for the defense, the trend on the defense to hold the, the opponents to, to fewer points, but it's a bit of an alarming trend, and it's really been red zone. They've moved the ball. They've gotten into the red zone, but, you know, the Chargers game, you know, kicking six field goals, that's, that's not really what Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski are used to. You get into the red zone six times, you're used to looking at, you know, four or five touchdown passes for Tom Brady. Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com radio, the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, last one for me, about 20 minutes ago, we were having our weekly conversation with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, and he broke the news that's now been confirmed by a variety of outlets. Martellus Bennett has been cut by the Packers. You think New England would have any interest in a reunion for a stretch run? I do. Um, you know, they they let Martellus Bennett go this offseason, replaced him by trading for Dwayne Allen, who has been uh, just a disaster. Does not have a single catch through eight games. Um, has seen his playing time drop dramatically. Has just never really gotten on the same page with Brady. Is sort of just a blocker now. Um, so yeah, it worked with Martellus Bennett a year ago. You know, I just tweeted out, this reminds me a few years ago when LeGarrette Blunt left for the Steelers as a free agent running back. Um, and then was subsequently cut by the Steelers cause he just didn't work. He walked off the field during one game cause he wasn't getting enough carries comes back to new England and boom, right back in new England, scoring touchdowns, clicking with Bill Belichick in this offense. Uh, Martellus Bennett worked for one year in new England, probably as well as it's worked anywhere in his career. I mean, he's a guy that's had problems at almost every stop he's been at, certainly with the Bears prior to New England. You know, everybody in that locker room and that coaching staff seemed like they hated him at the end of his tenure there. Now Green Bay, you know, he, he apparently, you know, they've cut him and, and noted that he, he failed to disclose an injury, which means he had a pre-existing injury before he signed the contract this offseason. 
Um, you know, I know he's dealing with, I think, a shoulder injury right now, but, you know, the Patriots could use another weapon on this offense. And as I said, it worked, you know, just because he hasn't gotten along with other teams and has had sort of attitude issues along the way. Uh, the Patriots, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, they were able to work with that last year. And I think he would make a lot of sense a mid-year addition to replace Dwayne Allen. So I'm sure they'll kick the tires at the very least. Andy, great information as always. For the good of the show, can you go to Bill Belichick's next uh, press conference next week, uh, asking an any question so I can play it on this program? That would make for good audio, a good little uh, bit for the show. I'll see what I can do because, you know, it always makes you feel better when Bill yells at you or gives you the death stare. <laughs> always it, feels good. It's a sign of respect and love. Thank you, Andy. We'll chat with you next week. All right, guys. Thanks. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005, was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Where do the four and four Lions belong in the playoff conversation? Let's find out from Tori Petri of DetroitLions.com. Tori, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's go back to Monday night at Lambeau Field. Lions got some help in that matchup because it was Brett Hundley instead of Aaron Rodgers. But as you review what stood out, how comprehensive was that victory for the Lions on the road? Well, it was a pretty good win for the Lions, one they definitely needed to get. I mean, after a three-game losing streak, losing uh, at home to the Steelers the previous week, they needed that divisional win against the Packers. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers does a lot to help that, that Packers team and covers a lot of their deficiencies, and obviously they didn't have him in that game, but you know, you got to think about the fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't play defense for the Packers, and the Lions really had a great offensive day. So that had no effect on that part of the game, and uh, it definitely was good for the Lions to kind of get their offense uh, clicking a little bit more this week than they were, than they had been against the Steelers, where they really struggled in the red zone. Talking about struggles, uh, this team has done that this year, been inconsistent in their approach. After coming off such a good year last year, you automatically assume that momentum would carry over to this year, but it's been just the opposite. And as you mentioned, even about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers not being there, it really gives this team some hope from the standpoint of maybe if they play well enough to compete for being a, to win in that division or maybe, maybe being second in that division and maybe having a wild card chance. How good do you think their chances are to have an opportunity to be a wild card team moving forward if they can play well throughout the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think this division is very up in the air right now. I mean, the Packers obviously are playing without Aaron Rodgers. Minnesota's quarterback situation is up in the air. Uh, the Bears are starting a rookie quarterback. So, you know, there, there's really a lot of questions in the division. And even though Minnesota is leading right now, 
there's really not a, uh, a runaway uh, leader for the rest of the year. You know, I think the Lions certainly have an opportunity in front of them. They've beaten Minnesota once this year already. They play the Vikings on Thanksgiving at home. Uh, and typically the Lions have dominated the Thanksgiving Day game. That That is you know, they, they kind of own that game. So I know they'll, they'll be looking to uh, protect home field there on Thanksgiving Day. So, you know, there's, there's definitely an opportunity for them, especially with how much easier the second half of the schedule looks for them. I know they won't call it that, but, um, you know, just looking at win-loss records of the teams that they have coming up versus the teams that they've played thus far, it does look a little bit easier uh, in the second half of the season if they continue to play at the level that they did on Monday night. Chatting with Tori Petri, DetroitLions.com, and the Lions team channel here on TuneIn. One more thought about Monday night. Lions struggled once more in the ground game, averaging less than two yards per carry. Still, they won the football game, but big picture, Tori, what's the state of the rushing attack led by Amir Abdullah? Well, there were some hits and misses uh, on Monday night. I mean, uh, they, they struggled a little bit on early downs with the run game, but they were able to, you know, they did have one rushing touchdown from the red zone. You know, that was a big point of emphasis during the week for the team was um, improving in the red zone. I know they spent extra time on it in practice that week after the Steelers game. Uh, but it does need some work still because they got into the red zone two other times during that game against the Packers, and they weren't able to capitalize on them. And they had a goal line goal line uh, opportunity there where they had three downs at the one-yard line and couldn't get it into the end zone on any of those three tries. So that certainly needs some work uh, there, but we did see Amir Abdullah getting the ball a little bit more uh, in the red zone than we had in the past. You know, they've been going to Dwayne Washington in the red zone uh, for, you know, the, those last few games. So we saw them turn to Amir Abdullah a little bit. I think they're just trying, uh, you know, all their options there. Uh, in the run game because they really are trying to fix fix those uh, red zone woes that they've had. Um, and, you know, they've made progress, but they're just not quite all the way there yet. It still needs a little bit of work. You're talking about progress. Uh, now that they've taken this thing in the end zone to allowing players to dance and do whatever they choose to do, tell me about Marvin Jones <laughs> trying to do an audition for the American Idol. What's, what's going on with this? Tell me what's happening. Yeah, Marvin Jones, is, he's a great guy. I mean, um, you know, football-wise, I think he, he probably likes playing at Lambeau Field because he's had himself a couple of great days these past two years uh, playing there. And I know, uh, you know, he was a big part in that win on Monday night, two touchdowns for him. Uh, obviously a very fun celebration that we got to see with the Rock'em Sock'em Robots there. And Golden Tate already had shirts made up today that said Rock'em Sock'em Robots on it. It was, uh, you know, pretty funny sight to see. And, uh, you know, Marvin is very talented off the field as well. He's a great singer. He, you know, did the audition on American Idol. And I actually did a story with him over the summer where we went to his home here in Michigan. And uh, he gave us a tour of his home recording studio so you know this is not a, a one-time occurrence for Marvin singing is definitely a passion of his and something that uh, he does all the time so a talented man on and off the field part of the reason the Lions enjoyed sweet music beating the Packers on Monday night we're talking Lion football with our friend Tori Petri DetroitLions.com Lions team channel here on TuneIn so in addition to what Jones did Tori let's talk about a Underrated, I think, from the national point of view, receiver in Golden Tate. I understand this is the golden age of wideouts, pun intended. But think about what Tate is doing statistically. He's among the best in the game in yards per reception. Should we be talking more about Golden Tate as a premier playmaker? 
Yeah, I mean, he is a key part of this Lions offense. You look at that play uh, where he caught it on the sideline, had a little toe-tap there on the edge, a twirling toe-tap. It was <laughs> I was just talking about Golden Tate's, uh, you know, ability to get yards after the catch. That is a huge part of his game. I mean, he, he's very talented when it, com- when it comes to that, and we saw that in that game against the Packers. So, you know, I think that certainly he, he's working his way up to being in, in that conversation, but I think the only reason why he hasn't been is because just of the overall, you know, offensive struggles the Lions have had so far this season. But when you give Matthew Stafford time to throw the ball and get the ball to Golden Tate, he does amazing things with it, both the two of them, really. When you look at Matthew Stafford and how he started the year off uh, when it came down to throwing a ball versus the blitz, he, he was like at 49%, maybe 50%. But as of lately, particularly against the Green Bay Packers, we saw him actually take his number to a high level. He became very efficient. Uh, capable of being calm in the pocket and being able to deliver the pass, similar to what we know in the guy number 12 in Green Bay. Could that be some of the answer uh, to this offense and this team being able to be successful is their quarterback and Matthew Stafford being able to elude some pressure, went under it, and still be able to deliver the football efficiently? Well, I think Matthew Stafford, you know, is a talented player in any situation, but he has really struggled over the past couple of years with not being protected well enough. And, you know, he's a tough guy. He's played through a lot of injuries and, you know, that has been, you know, something that has helped this team out is him, is him playing when he's hurt. But, you know, you can only do so much when you aren't getting any time to throw. You can't throw downfield when you're not getting any time to throw. So, you know, but that's where Matthew Stafford excels with that rocket of an arm that he has. So I think you do need to give him time in order for him to be successful. And he's got more mobile in the pocket this year. He's doing a lot, making a lot more moves with his feet. You know, he uh, runs the ball sometimes, and, and that's become a part of his game. Uh, you know, in recent years, this year particularly. So he's certainly gotten better at that. But I think that the main focus is getting his protection to where it needs to be so that he doesn't have to do that and put himself at risk. Finally, Tori, we know Monday Night Football changes your availability when it comes to interviewing the players because they have different off days. But when you start talking to the guys much more about what's coming up with the ability to go to 5-4 and four hosting winless Cleveland, how many cliches do you expect from the Lions about we're not looking past Cleveland, we're not taking it lightly? I'm sure they're saying all the right things, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of that in the locker room, but I think the focus this week is just the Lions have to play their game. They have to focus on their game. They have not been good at home this year. They're 1-3 at home. They have this home game opportunity coming up against the Cleveland Browns. You don't want to be that team that gives uh, another team their first win of the season halfway through the year. So um, that's something Jeff Caldwell is good at, is keeping guys focused and you know, keeping them from, you know, getting off track, especially in the second half of the season. So, you know, that, that'll be an emphasis this week, but I think it's mostly just focusing, you know, on themselves. Tori, we appreciate the information. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you guys for having me. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, Peter King here from the MMQB. The NFL is on TuneIn, and you can hear the home-and-away call of every game live all season long. Plus, listen to all your favorite shows from NFL Network, like Good Morning Football, Total Access, and NFL Game Day, all on NFL on TuneIn. At home or on the go, hear the home-and-away call of every NFL game on TuneIn Premium. TuneIn 
is your home for the National Football League. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's spotlight our weekly power rankings and the five teams we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. All right, partner, I'll go first. Buckle up because there's been a shakeup in my top five. Don't call it a comeback. They've been here for years, or at least last year. Dallas cracks my top five. Now, you might say that's premature, but you got to watch football games. They've won three consecutive games. They dictated the terms against Kansas City. I don't care about margin of victory on Sunday because we can talk about the Rams getting the 51 against the Giants, the Eagles getting the 51 against the Broncos. Dallas undeniably had the best win of any team beating Kansas City. And most importantly, they did it with defense. We focus on the offensive line. We should be talking about the defensive front seven in Big D. With or without Ezekiel Elliott, they're going to beat Atlanta on the road on Sunday, in part because the Falcons are dealing with a myriad of issues. Dallas at number five. Number four, ram it. Oh, we're going to ram it. L.A. 6-2. Over the course of the last two games, they have outscored the opposition 84-17 off to their best start since 2001. What happened that year in St. Louis? They made it to the Super Bowl. I'm not crowning anybody just yet, but this team does not have major weaknesses other than some issues in the secondary, and the schedule continues to be kind after they annihilated the New York football giants. They host the Houston Texans on Sunday, a chance to abuse Tom Savage. Number three, the Patriots, 6-2, and two, coming off the bye. A lot of this comes down to scheduling. They're heading to Denver, taking on Brock Osweiler, making his second start. Denver's falling apart. They've lost four consecutive games. Questions for me connected to the Patriots come down to health on defense. And can they continue to solidify the offensive line? We know that Tom Brady has had some challenging performances on the road in Denver over the years. Number two, best team in the AFC, Pittsburgh Steelers at 6-2. and two, Slightly ahead of New England because I believe Pittsburgh, not only statistically, but based on the eyeball test, has a superior defense compared to what's going on in New England. And the schedule is straightforward this week. Steelers on the road at Indy. They'll raise their record to 7-2, pushing around Jacoby Brissett and the rest of the Colts. Number one, 8-1. Enough said. Philadelphia, fly, eagle, fly. Hanging half a hundred on Denver, who allegedly had a potent defense. Philadelphia is the best team in all of football. Counting them down. Number five, Dallas. Number four, the L.A. Rams. Number three, New England. Number two, Pittsburgh. Number one, Philadelphia. Back to you. I tell you what, you're doing pretty good. You're getting better at this thing. You make me nervous every dang on week. But you know what? You're pretty close this week. My number five team is the Minnesota Vikings, the Purple People Leaders. 
This is a team, when it comes starting with their defense, because that's the strongest part of this team, is their defense. When it comes down to allowing points in the game, they are the third of fewer points allowed per game this entire season. You have to give Case Keenum a little bit more credit than we want to because I know Sam Baffert's there. I know Teddy Bridgewater's there. But what he's doing within the scheme and the strategy of this football team, it's right there where it needs to be. He's not doing too much. He's not doing too little. He's doing just enough to position this team to be able to get points on the board. But let me tell you, he's doing a little bit better than average. He's actually making some great throws, allowing Thielen to be the top receiver, Diggs to be a top receiver, Rudolph to be a top receiver, receiver in McKinnon, and also Murray playing some darn good football when it comes down to what they're doing on the offensive side. And as I say, the, the defense, there are fewer points in the National Football League uh, this season alone. But let's talk about the Rams at number four. Ram it, baby. This team has put up 65 big plays. Big plays on the offensive side of the football, which is second in the National Football League. Over the last three games, this defense has allowed only 11 points per game, which is about as good and profound as it gets. They lead the league off also as an offense. With 39.9 points a game, this team is really playing good football. I think everyone's waiting for them to fail because I know last year how it was. They started off with winning three games. I get it. They have the Seattle Seahawks in this division. I get it. But right now, this team is actually undefeated on the road, who we know they'll have to see later on down the road, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. I see this Rams team shocking the world when it comes to the NFC West. I think they'll be competing for winning that division as we move forward. The New England Patriots, the New England Patriots, over the last five to six games, they lost by eight few, eight or fewer points, which is very close to being uh, you know, a little scary, but a win is a win at the end of the day, considering what this defense had been able to do early on and what the offense did be able, was able to do, which was score a lot of points and keeping them in those games. I like the New England Patriots because just out of respect, just out of from a principality standpoint, you gotta keep these team in the mix to allow them to do what they know how to do in the latter part of the season, which is win strong. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, the best one-two punch in the National Football League since, let's say, Jim Joe Montana. And who's the guy you stand next to on the sideline? Bill Walsh. That's the best one-two punch head coach quarterback tandem in the National Football League in a very long time. And last, well, let's go to the second team. Just keep riding him. Starting it off with Roosevelt Nix. He's in the mix and riding Le'Veon Bell till you can't ride him again. Ever since they've jumped on the on the wagon of running Le'Veon Bell the way they have, this team has been playing some really good football, very sound football. You also had Juju Smith-Schuster. He ties up his freaking speed bike on the sideline because people were stealing his bike. He took a chain and he tied it down when in Detroit. So guess what? His bike is traveling with him on the road, but he's going to have a buddy now back in the mix. That guy name is Martavius Bryant. He's back on the football field. This defense is playing pretty good. This offense is solid because of the guy number 26 and number seven, the old guy, the old man, the old man, Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben. 
playing some pretty darn good football. So go Steel City, go. And last but not least, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. What more can I say? Defense is playing outstanding. Offense is about as good as it gets you. Bring in this guy, Jay Ajayi. He jumps off the train. He jumps off the track. He What does he do? He jumps in the end zone when jumping. This offense led by Carson Wentz, they're just playing out. I mean, fly, Eagles, fly. Him all to victory. All that good stuff. That's who I'm going with. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. They're number one. So at number five, Minnesota, the Purple Peeper Eaters. They're good. They're a freaking good football team. Carson Wentz, keep going. The Rams, they love big plays. The Rams, yes, they do. They love big plays. New England, they don't care how they get it done. They find ways to get it done regardless. Yeah, they let Jimmy Garoppolo go, but that doesn't stop anything. New England Patriots, they're the number three team. The Steelers, black and yellow. Uh-huh. You know what it is. And last but not least, E-L-G-L-E-S, Eagles. The Eagles and Carson Wentz, 8-1. That's my top five. Back to you, buddy. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for fantasy football analysis with the Fantasy Fix. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. And he goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. As promised, let's say hello to Nick Mencio from rotoworld.com. Nick, let's start with today's breaking news. Based on the shoulder injury Martellus Bennett suffered, he has been cut by the Packers. For fantasy owners who were hanging on to Bennett, hoping he might get healthy, you have any tips for them as they try to scour the waiver wire and look for a tight end that actually can play for them on Sunday? Oh, man. I mean, if you're still holding on to Bennett, I mean, he only had like 24 catches in like seven or eight games with the Packers. Wasn't doing anything the past few weeks. But tight end is super thin, so I could see it. But if uh, – one guy that jumps out is Eric Ebron this week uh, facing the Browns. The Browns have allowed the most catches to tight ends, the third most yards to the position, third most fancy points, second most touchdowns to the position. This game's going to be played in a dome. The Lions have a high team total. Uh, they're probably like one of the top offenses to play top offenses to play this week. So I'd maybe take a stab at Ebron if I'm looking for help. Nick, when it comes down to the Baltimore Ravens' backfield, is Buck Allen or Alex Collins? The guy to own for that team. I mean, I think it just depends what the what the scores looking like from game to game. I mean, Collins is going to be the guy they ride if they have if they have a lead like they did that Thursday night against the Dolphins, where they're up forty points. And Collins, like we saw, had over hundred yards, his best game of the season. And then last week they were going a little back and forth, chasing the Titans a little bit. So it was Buck Allen in the second half, and it's just going to be a week to week type of thing. Allen's the guy who's going to be catching the passes. Collins is going to be the guy on the early downs. You pray for a touchdown with Collins, and then you just bank on a, on a few PPR points from Allen. So I think it's just a week-to-week thing. 
Talking fantasy with Nick Mencio. Check out his outstanding work, rotoworld.com. Nick, the problem with having an active mind is you can talk yourself into anything. So if I'm thinking about Tampa Bay situation with Jameis Winston being rested for the foreseeable future with the shoulder issue, Ryan Fitzpatrick's back on the field. To me, that says they have to run the ball more. But Doug Martin had a hideous game on the road at New Orleans. So what are you doing with the muscle hamster coming up Sunday as the Bucks take on the Jets? Yeah, just a real bad game for Martin last week. Seven yards on eight carries. He's been an RB3 or worse in three straight games. Hasn't scored a touchdown since week six against the Cardinals. Uh, this offense just falls behind way too often. I mean, like you said, this game looks like one that could stay close with against the Jets this week. But the Jets are playing a lot better run defensive late. And I think, I mean, they're going to let Fitzpatrick sling the ball around. He's like a, a true gunslinger in the sense of, like, Jake Cutler type style, just not with the strongest arm. But I could see this game being a potential shootout. I kind of like both quarterbacks in this spot, but I'm not super high on Martin in this in this game at all. Are both Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara players to use each week, or do you think some weeks favor one or the other? No, I'm definitely running both these guys out every week where I have them. Uh, the, the Saints offense, probably the, the best rushing offense in the league right now. They've won six in a row as a team. Uh, they're playing a lot of games in the Superdome coming up down the second half of the season. Uh, I know they're going to – I think they're going to Buffalo this week, but I'm not scared to play these guys at all. I mean, I, they're both RB2s in my book, and Ingram may be an RB1 every week just because of the volume he gets and potential touchdowns. Timeshares can be risky in real estate. You just can't get out of the contract, and it can be disastrous in fantasy football because your featured back suddenly gets diminished. So as we think about what Jay Ajayi did in his debut for the Eagles, Nick, how do you view the running back situation in Philadelphia with Ajayi and LeGarrette Blunt? Yeah, both those guys last week kind of took back seats to Corey Clement, who scored three touchdowns, and it was just a total quagmire last week. They were obviously trying to work Jay Ajayi into the offense, get him some touches in this first game with the new team. But moving forward, I think this is going to be Ajayi's backfield for sure. They didn't give up a, a premium draft pick uh, to just sit him behind LeGarrette Blunt. So I think going forward, this is going to be Ajayi's backfield. And like we see that the Eagles are, are winning a lot of games. They're, they're blowing some teams out. And if they get big leads in the second half, Ajayi could have some huge games going forward. I mean, I guess we could start singing the welcome back song to Josh Gordon because he's back uh, in the game now. But is he a guy you would grab considering uh, picking him up? Would you be a guy you consider picking up or stashing away at this point now that he's being reinstated? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd take a flyer on a, on a mega talent like Gordon, but we haven't seen him on a football field in, in almost almost three or four years. He hasn't played a snap since 2014. I have no clue what kind of football shape this guy is in right now, but – he plays with a big arm quarter, quarterback in Deshaun Kaiser. He can obviously stretch a field like Randy Moss pretty much and has huge size, a big touchdown score last time we saw him. So I would take a flyer if I'm a, a team heading into the fantasy playoffs and I got a bench spot to spare, and he could be, he could be a league winner for you in the, at the end of the day. Today's fantasy fix being delivered by Nick com. Nick, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area today, so a lot of Niner conversation with friends, and they keep telling me this defense just can't stop anybody. And watching that game against Arizona on Sunday, Drew Stanton played reasonably well, plus we know what Adrian Peterson did. As the Giants get ready to come to Northern California, the Giants cannot run. I realize Eli Manning is dealing with guys coming off the practice squad to play wide receiver, but would you have any fantasy confidence in Eli heading into this game against San Francisco? 
I think this would be the absolute only one week I would even consider starting Eli Manning. This, this Niners defense, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. They're, they're just real bad. Uh, they can't stop anyone. The only positive they have going for them this week is they're at home, and they face a Giants team coming across the country, a team that's quit on their coach. Uh, they talked about maybe getting the young quarterbacks more reps, so that, that's kind of something to think about, but I don't think it's going to happen this week. And I, could, I would definitely stream Manning in spots where I might have like uh, Marcus Mariota, who's doing nothing right now. I can't even trust starting him right now, so I'd maybe consider starting Manning over him. But moving forward after this week, I don't think Eli is going to have any value. Nick, which running back is which running back is the guy to use from the Dolphins' backfield? Last week they kind of just split carries, split reps, split snaps, all the all that stuff. And Damian Williams was the one that got the touchdown, but Kenyon Drake had the better better game all around. And even with that lost fumble, that was kind of. I don't know. I was kind of scared he was going to get benched by Coach Adam Gase. There, he's kind of a hothead. But Gase is the Gase is the staff that picked Drake last year's draft. So I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Drake, and he's the he's the more uh, uh, more playmaking in it, in his in his game. So Williams is more of a special teamer, goal line type guy. So I, I, I'm gonna ride with Drake in this one. Now, Nick, if you're talking Drake, you got to give us something like start at the bottom, right? <laughs> Thank you. That's yeah, why I'm, here, Nick. I'm not I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.